0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quilterverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Anna of Wax and Wayne Studio. Hi, everyone. Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Christopher of the Tattooed Quilter. Hey y'all. Now, before we jump into all the quilty fun, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, so I am originally from Southern Virginia. It's a small town outside of Blacksburg, which is where Virginia Tech is located. That's my my landmark I give everyone. <laughs> And uh, I grew up in a traditional quilting family. You know, my great grandmother, my grandmother, my great aunts were all quilters. Um, they started what I know as the first quilt guild, um, or my experience with the first quilt guild, and that was the Cheerful Ladies Club.
0: Was that its actual name?
1: Yeah, the Cheerful Ladies Club.
0: Okay. Oh,
1: <laughs> they also wore uh, red gingham bonnets and dresses when they went to events.
0: As a oh. uniform?
1: Yes, as a uniform. Oh my
0: gosh! Was that part of the initiation? Everyone had to create their own.
1: Maybe I'm not sure. And there's some there's some pretty amazing photos of their their guild meetings or their club meetings. Um, there's one that my mom has where someone's in a fur coat, and I think she got it for Christmas.
2: Whoa. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, and there's photos of them wearing their their bonnets and dresses at you know quilt shows, and it's really fantastic. But yeah. uh, My parents are also super creative. My dad, woodworking, did a lot of cabinetry. Um, My mom, super crafter. You know, I grew up in the 80s, so puff paint, much, (laughs) much, you name it, we did it.
0: I have a lot of memories of puffy paint. (laughs) And like the joy of peeling it off when it was dry. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So as you mentioned, you come from a family of quilters. Do you remember who taught you or was it kind of a community effort of how you joined in?
1: I would have to say it's a community effort um i remember sitting underneath quilting frames watching them either hand quilt or tack a quilt um you know it was really fun just their shadows and and fascinating and my i would have to say probably the one who taught me the most was my grandmother um i would spend weekends with her um and we would do fun projects and you know quilting and and fabric shopping and she had shade <laughs> and you know did other craft stuff she also she was really into liquid embroidery for a period. I'm not sure if you've heard about that.
2: No. No. Wow.
1: It's basically tubes of paint that have this like silver ball at the very end so you get more of a fine coverage. Um I'm pretty sure they were really dangerous and probably as it shouldn't <laughs> have been playing with those. I'm sure there was some sort of like, poison in them.
2: <laughs> oh oh <my> gosh.
1: Purdue. <laughs> I think it was state birds. It was quilt blocks of state birds that she had iron transferred onto oh. fabric squares, and then I helped her fill in the coloring of the state bird.
3: Oh wow! Do you that have actually a that's fun? Do you still have that? You know,
1: I, when she passed, uh, my family sort of divided up the quilts. I'm not sure who has it. Uh, I have to ask my mom, but yeah, I know she finished it.
0: You remember the fumes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So going back to your Instagram handle, so why the Tattoo Quilter?
1: It's a very long story. I'll try to give you the abbreviated version. Um, I well, you know, my first quilt I made when I was 15 um, it was for a church talent competition. Um, some blues and whites. I still have it. It's pretty fascinating. Um, you know, terrible job hand quilting it. Um, and then, you know, I went through college and graduated and started working full time and, um, ended up moving to San Francisco when I worked at the gap. And my boss at the time was a crafter as well. And we were doing a craft show at the office and she convinced me to join. And I said, well, you know, I haven't crafted in years. I haven't sewn in years, you know, I'm not sure, you know, where to even start. And she goes, well, I'll give you my sewing machine. You, you know, work and figure something out. And so my roommate and I went to a fabric shop in San Francisco. I think it's closed now. I want to say it was sweet pea or pea in a pod or something. It was a teeny tiny little fabric shop. And I was just blown away by the amount of fabric, like new fabric, you know, prints I hadn't seen before. You know, I, like I said, I grew up in the eighties. So everything was hand-me-down fabrics or really cheap, terrible cotton, you know, that you get from a big box store. And Um, I started doing some research and discovered that there are actual fabric designers that, you know, were behind a lot of these fabric prints. And um, it was just, it opened me up to this whole world of blogging. You know, you know, this was, I don't know, maybe 2011. Um, And I was, wow, I was, people are really into quilting. and, And there's a whole new wave of people quilting, you know, that I hadn't experienced before. So I really went down this path. And got really back into it and said, you know, I really want to start quilting again. It started this journey of like really getting back into it. And uh, so my roommate and I, we ended up moving to New York. My job transferred from San Francisco to New York and she came with me. And uh, I bought my first sewing machine from HSN. It was. (laughs) Um, I did all this crazy research and. You know, when you buy your first machine, it's so daunting. It's like buying your first card. There's, there's Absolutely. Many options and reviews and, you know, you just it's it's really mentally exhausting. <laughs> um, so I just was like HSN had the one that I wanted and I could pay for it by the month. And so that <laughs> teeny tiny apartment and um you know i I got into it and i was like you know i'm gonna start a blog and and my roommate she said well i think before you do all that you need to figure out what your brand is going to be you know said i think it's very important that you have your brand identity because this could go somewhere and i was like okay sure so what is it going to be and we kind of talked back and forth for a little while and she goes you should be the tattooed quilter and i was like really Well, yeah, you have, you know, scissors on one arm and a pincushion on the other. And those were tattoos that I got as like an homage to growing up in, you know, a quilting family. And I said, okay. Um, And so the first thing we did was Google it to make sure no one else had the name and nothing came up. And so I became the tattooed quilter. And I, I, a friend of mine that I worked with at The Gap, um, talented graphic artist, she designed my logo for me. I gave her a couple hundred bucks and, you know, the tattooed culture was born.
0: It's such a good brand. Like, yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Since then, have you got any more tattoos?
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> Fun fact, on the pincushion tattoo, I ended up passing out. Um,
2: not oh dear.
1: Insane, um, but it, San Francisco, it was a tiny tattoo parlor. Um, you know, and a lot of places in San Francisco are not air conditioned. Um, and so it was very warm inside. And I remember this girl was dancing in the front of the tattoo parlor. <laughs> she may, or may not have been under the influence of something. And then our other roommate was there. Um, and she was very chatty with the tattoo artist. And I just, all of that together, plus the heat, I got overwhelmed. <laughs> just looked at the tattoo artist and said, I think I'm going to pass out. And he goes, really? And I go, "Yeah, I wanted to hurry out. <laughs> yeah, so those were actually, I want to say those were my third and fourth tattoos. My first two were stars, and that was to pay homage to my parents. Um, since then, I've gotten a ton. I think I'm, I'm up to maybe 31 or 32 tattoos.
0: I feel like it's either people have one, Or it's in the dozens. Like the only thing stopping me from getting a second is I know I would get highly addicted to it. And like I wouldn't be able to say no.
1: (laughs) Now I can fall asleep. Like I could, just the humming of the machine and and going, I could easily just fall asleep.
3: Sounds like a white noise machine. Yeah, white noise machine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shifting gears a little bit for our listeners who might not be familiar with your work, could you describe your quilting style?
1: Yes. So my quilting style has evolved um, since really getting back into quilting.
2: Um,
1: When I first started back, it was super, you know, improvisational. You know, I was really influenced a lot by the modern quilting movement, you know, the modern quilt guild um, near and dear to my heart. And um, I was just really fascinated by what people were doing with fabric, um, cutting it up and and putting it back together in really unique, interesting ways, or taking a modern quilt block that I was very familiar with and putting a skin on it. Um, and so in the early days, it was really improvisational. Now I've I've gone more, what I would say is more modern, where I use more modern, or I use more traditional blocks in a modern way. Um, and it's interesting, I never really, you know, I, I make quilts and I, and I make them, you know, just in that moment of what I find, you know, either inspirational or fascinating or a quilt block. Um, but I've seen myself go in this direction of, you know, four blocks to make a mini quilt or six blocks to make a mini quilt. Um, and I kind of look back at some of my work and go, okay, yeah, I kind of have this new pattern of, of doing, you know, symmetrical, you know, quilt you know, mini quilts. Um, and in the moment, I just don't really think about that. I just find a block that I find very fascinating and I just go for it. Um, you know, in the early days, I wasn't using a lot of sashing or borders. And now I find that I'm using more sashing and borders. Um, it, it, for some reason, it feels very clean to me. There's sort of this cleanness to having all of that connect everything together that um, I'm really drawn to. Um, And sometimes my partner, Jack, he'll say, oh, you've done something like that before. But then I'm like, no, this is kind of my body of work. And this is sort of that chapter in my quilting journey where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm doing two rows of three blocks. So six blocks or, you know, three rows of three blocks so nine blocks, you know, it's sort of this uh, cool way now of how I'm treating my quilting work.
0: You mentioned that um, you're really deep diving into traditional blocks. How do you pick a traditional block to work on, or is it just kind of something that strikes your fancy, or do you have a book of blocks you're going through?
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's, I would have to say it's probably my personal favorites, uh, you know, Lock Cabin, Turn Dash, Flying Geese, um, those are the ones that I tend to gravitate toward the most, um, and I think it's just really the structure behind them, um, there's something you know, that feels, you know, architectural about, especially like a log cabin block, obviously, for obviously, you know what I mean, but (laughs) um, there's just something about that. And I think it's, you know, when I, when I started thinking about what I wanted to do full time as a career, I really wanted to be an architect. That's, you know, I studied architecture in high school, you know, we had like a three course semester we could do that, you know, we went from learning how to do hand drawing all the way up to using, you know, CAD, AutoCAD. And I actually applied to Virginia Tech to be an architect student. And then I realized I would be sitting and drawing plans for eight hours a day. And I was like, yep, that's not going (laughs) to happen. So I think some of my quilting and what I gravitate toward has that sort of like architectural feel to it, you know, or vibe to it. You know, what's interesting is um, looking back, I would go to, you know, the grocery store and there used to be, you know, house plan books you could buy, like, or magazine and um you know i'd save my allowance and buy a magazine and it would have all these house plans in it um you know or they you would have the floor plan and like a somebody's rendering of the house and so i would sit with graph paper and um architectural templates you know how you get the one that looks like a bed and you know and i would literally draw out my own version of that house plan um and you know i think that translates into quilting too when you start to draw quilts and use your rulers and pull it all together.
3: I mean, we also use graph paper when we plan out our quote blocks, so I can kind of see that similarity between the two.
1: And saying all that, I kind of realize now I'm kind of a nerd.
0: (laughs) Are you just realizing that now? We're all nerds. (laughs) I thought it was implied that as a (laughs) quilter, we're all kind of nerds.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes.
0: (laughs) So you joined, did you join Instagram? You mentioned that, um, When you started with the brand of the tattooed quilter, it was um, you were looking to start a blog. How did you kind of translate from blogging into Instagram? Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that kind of journey?
1: Yeah, so the blog really was a um, it kickstarted everything, and I started by interviewing um, you know some of my favorite quilters at the time. You know Heather Heather Jones, um, still one of my favorite quilters, modern quilters, um, and. It was me sending an email to them saying, Hey, would you answer these questions for my blog? Um, And it was really cool. And, you know, I got a bunch of no's and some yeses and it was really awesome. But I found that most of the community that I was interested in was on Instagram. You know, I saw this, you know, and I had Instagram before, but it was me sharing photos of my food or me riding my bike over the Gate Bridge or, you know, random thing, going to a concert. And um, it quickly, you know, changed into me sharing my projects or fabric or, you know, whatever I was working on. And I would see that I would get more interaction from people in the community, you know, people liking it, not liking it. There was this conversation happening and it was happening more there than on my blog. And so I said, well, I don't, you know, there's so many blogs and people are saying, OK, this is how you make a house square triangle. I didn't feel the need to do that that I would get more interaction and share more through the community by being on Instagram. So I went more on Instagram. That's sort of how I transitioned. I still have my blog and I still post and share things. Um, You know, I'm not a great pattern writer, so I don't really put a lot of patterns of tutorials out in the world. But i still use my blog because i you know and it's interesting my people say oh blogs are dead blogs aren't really dead because if you you know a friend of mine said the other day if you go and google how to do something it's going to take you to somebody's blog or website yeah so um my blog traffic is still pretty healthy um which is great um but yeah more i found more of my people on instagram
3: so looking on your instagram page you show off lots of different blocks and smaller projects like table runners mini quilts what do you actually do with your completed projects? I know this is like a really random question, but.
1: <laughs> um, I, if they're not current, meaning like I haven't just finished them, they're usually in a storage box, um, you know, now in our garage, because we have a garage before New York, they really were under the bed. Um, I just, I roll everything up or, you know, if it's small enough, I just lay it in a box flat. But yeah, I, I have pretty much every... Thing that I've posted and shared, I, I keep. Um, there's been a few that I've, you know, sold or given away. Um, but my dream one day, and again, this is super nerdy, but I would love to. And I don't even know if people are really that interested in my stuff, but I would love to do like a show, a museum show, or a, you know, an art gallery show where I could just show the transition of my work. Um, because as I lay it out and look at it, I'm like, oh wow, what you know, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. Um, one in particular, I found this, I think it was curtains or maybe a pillow panel at H&M in the home department. And it was hands. And I said, I'm going to applique those on a mini quilt. And did it, And I really don't know what I was thinking. I was like, going to be really cool. But I think I still have it. I I, I might have contemplated when we moved throwing that away, but I think I still have it.
0: No, you should totally (laughs) keep it as a reminder. (laughs) So you recently moved from New York City to Salt Lake City, um, trading cities. Um, So before we jump into the actual question, I'm I'm curious, what do you miss most about New York?
1: You know, I have these moments where I miss everything about New York City, you know, and I'll I'll try not to get super emotional, but you know, it was a big decision for us. The pandemic had a lot to do with our decision to move. Um, you know, Jack works in the theater, you know, industry. He, you know, worked at the Lion King on Broadway. And so, you know, March 12th came, everything shut down. And so we were, you know, making that decision about what do we do? You know, and and we were we were tossing out a lot of ideas. We were saying, oh, you know, we... You know, we could move back to my hometown in Virginia. There was a guy that's, has gone in and, and has redone, um, you know, the downtown area and he's trying to revitalize it. And, and it's really cool, the stuff he's doing. And I said, look, we could go and open a coffee shop downtown. And, you know, he has spaces, you know, above the retail spaces that we could live in and it would just be really cool. And we could do it for a year. You know, we're not, you know, this doesn't have to be long-term. And um, I talked about moving to his parents for a while and, and, um, you know, we were weighing on all the options. And I said, well, you know, maybe I could get a job at Riley Blake and move to Salt Lake City, you know? And and I had been talking to Riley Blake about working for them full time for a while. Um, And uh, so we we made the decision to move, but I think, you know, to answer your question, what I miss most about New York is a lot of things. I miss the food, Um, you know, our restaurants, we were just saying yesterday, I miss the meatball shop. Um, You know, we had a Mexican place on the corner on Ninth Avenue that we went to a lot, especially during the pandemic. I don't want to look at my checking account for that. But (laughs) (laughs) Reba Reba, you know, I miss the Smith because we would go there on the weekends for breakfast, and um, you know, I miss Balthazar. You know, we never, you know, it was closed during the pandemic, so we didn't get to go one last time. Um, And we've had a lot of drunken, you know, late nights at Balthazar. You know several hundred dollars later in food (laughs) um and i miss the buzz i mean we lived three blocks from times square you know um and so i miss that hustle and bustle um you know salt lake city is a beautiful city but it's also super quiet and i think even more so now because of the pandemic but um you know being able to get on the train and go somewhere versus having to drive or be able to walk somewhere you know we're not where we you know we live in the city but is not it's not a really walkable city, so those are the things I miss the most. And our friends, I mean, we had you know a great network of friends. And, um, but I will say, there's not as many quilt shops in New York City as there are in Salt Lake. Oh. Uh huh.
0: Uh-huh. I was gonna fo- ask a follow up of what do you not miss about New York, and I feel like the <laughs> the fewer quilt shops is a big one.
1: <laughs> and yeah. You and Wendy, you and I have had this conversation about mm-hmm. various quilt shops, and um, but yeah, here it's like Starbucks. I mean, there's like a quilt shop on the big corner. <laughs>
0: Really? <laughs> oh my God. Really fascinating.
1: Really fascinating.
0: Wow. Have so, you been trying them all?
1: Uh, I've been to a couple. Um, we went to one yesterday. Um, they actually, I think they have three locations. I want to say it's called Nuttles. Nuttles? Nuttles? Um, Something <laughs> with a nut. And um, they uh, were recommended for us to take our machines and to be serviced. And Jack has uh, an old school Janome um that's sort of a workhorse and uh um we dropped that off and then we ended up buying a machine while we were there he's been for a certain Bernina, so they had one and so we walked out with a machine Um, so yeah i've been to three three or four since we've been here
3: actually okay so on the topic of quilt shops in salt lake city do you feel that since you've moved there and also having a bigger space compared with new york city Do you feel that you've purchased more things since?
1: Um, Surprisingly, no. Oh. I think I still have that mentality of living in New York City where I only have a dedicated, you know, in New York City, my closet. Like, we had two closets in our apartment. One was Jack's closet. And uh, so our bedroom closet was my sewing slash clothing closet. (laughs) And um, so I think I'm just still in that mentality of I only have this, you know, chest of drawers to hold my fabric or these certain bins under the bed to hold my fabric and so i actually haven't um purchased a ton of fabric since we've moved um you know and working at riley blake designs has some perks you know there's you know at arm's reach there too Um, Mm -hmm. but even still like super conservative i think i brought you know maybe some a couple of things of fabric home that i've worked on a couple of projects but no i haven't gone crazy yet
3: you have a lot of self-control because <laughs> yeah because my like so I, we had a rental and your wardrobe situation in New York City was very much like mine half wardrobe half you know crafting supplies and now I have my own dedicated room for crafting it's
0: yeah getting a little out of control <laughs> is it like a ball pit of fabric Wendy
3: <laughs> it's just like just stuff everything in the wardrobe.
2: I had that for a little while. The ball pit. Yeah, because remember my my well, he was like one and a half or two at the time. My son, he would pull down all the fabric from my shelves, and it was like he was doing it like five times a day. And I was just getting sick of putting it back, so I just <laughs> threw it all into a playpen, and then he would sit in the playpen and play with the fabric. It was That's kind awesome. Of
1: <laughs> Maybe we should do that at a quilt shop. We should have a fabric ball pit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then
3: people can just pick out things that they, they're just like off off scraps or something. And then they
0: can pick out like, you know, uh, $10 for like a pound or something. <laughs> I have a mental image of like bobbing for apples, but.
1: Bobbing for fat quarters.
0: Bobbing for fat quarters. There you go.
1: Some age demographic would just be, I mean, it, talk about people watching. That's.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would. I would buy a coffee and bring a lawn chair. <laughs> so as you mentioned, you moved out to Salt Lake City for a new job with Riley Blake. Can you tell us a little bit what you're doing for them?
1: Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, I'm the director of product marketing. Um, and I like to say that I'm the liaison between the design team and the marketing team. Um, and I'm also pretty involved in product development. So any new notions, um, anything that you know goes back to a fabric collection, whether that's like a little trinket or you know a little um, decor piece. Um, I work on that with our sourcing partner, uh, at the office, but yeah, it's really cool. Um, <clears throat> I never thought i would have a full-time job in the fabric industry. Either. <laughs> um, and it's pretty cool, um, to be able to be on the inside to see how it all operates. And I think there's so many pieces of it that, you know, the end consumer, the buyer doesn't really know, you know, how many steps go into producing a fabric line or, you know, uh, notions or quilt alongs or anything like that it's a lot of work
0: mm.
1: <laughs> a lot of fun work but it's a lot of work.
0: What's been the most surprising thing or surprising step that you had never considered before
1: I think it's really the the process of getting fabric printed and the timeline you know it's 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 really a year out process no, you know, I think, you know, especially when I first, you know, submitted fabric, I'm like, okay, I submitted my designs, it's gonna be on fabric in like six months. Oh, no, <laughs> it, it's it takes some time. Um, you know, and there are strike offs involved, you know, the factory does a first, you know, little preview, and you get the strike off, and you have to make sure the colors right. And, and um, if the colors not right, you get another round of strike off. And so it, it's, it's a lot of work.
3: I know that it's been harder to travel with COVID, but do you envision that there'll be more travel once the world has a better hold of the situation of the pandemic?
1: Yeah, I hope so. Um, Riley Blake Designs, I think now this is their third year started Garden of Quilts. Um, It's at this beautiful place here called Thanksgiving Point. Um, the gardens are like ex- exquisite, and it's kind of in an industrial area. So once you're inside the gardens, you think you're in this magical, <laughs> you know, place. But really, on the outside, it's like all these industrial buildings. Like there's an Adobe office next door. You know? <laughs> um, but they they started this um, Garden of Quilts a couple of years ago, and um, they do classes and lectures, and people you know who have shops can come and sell and set up. Um, and then there's quilts throughout the entire garden. So there's quilts hanging outside and there's quilts hanging inside. It's really beautiful. Um, so they're, we're planning on it for this year. So we'll see um, September. Um, we're you know moving forward with the planning process in hopes that, you know, by the fall, things will be a little better.
0: So it's time to move on to our rapid fire quilting questions. Are you ready, Christopher? I'm ready. OK, Anna, why don't you kick us off? What is your favorite time of day to quilt? Evening. Where do you sew? Sewing room. You wear shoes while sewing? No shoes. No socks, bare feet?
1: Yeah, it's gross.
0: <laughs> wait, bare feet is gross or socks are gross? <laughs>
1: socks in the house are gross.
3: <laughs> wait, wait, hey, hey, socks in the house are gross?
1: Yes. It, it,
3: but it, <laughs> it, don't your feet get cold? Like you're in Salt Lake City.
2: It's winter there. And it's cold. I'm like
1: I'm always hot.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Music, Netflix, podcast, or silence while sewing? Music. What's your current favorite?
1: Nineties dance.
2: Uh,
0: favorite snack while quilting? Gummy bears. What brand of gummy bears?
1: Um, Haribo. Or when I lived in New York City, there was a really amazing, um, like layered gummy bear at Dylan's Candy.
2: Am I might. Oh my god, I'm missing out. We got to check this out one day. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite traditional block? Log cabin. What's your favorite color? Blue. What's your favorite brand of solids?
1: Riley Blake Designs.
2: What's your favorite Riley Blake Designs cutler?
1: Uh, I use a lot of Riley White.
2: Solids or print fabrics? Solids. Who is your favorite fabric designer?
1: Don't be mad at me people, but Carolyn Freelander.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what's your last,
0: what's the last fabric you bought? Riley White. What's your favorite quilt shop?
1: Oh, don't be mad at me people. Um, <laughs> I really like Finch Sewing Studio in Northern Virginia. I've always said she's the Madewell of quilt fitting <sighs> fabric shops, like all the things.
2: How do you organize your fabrics?
1: By collection.
2: Where do you store your scraps?
1: In a plastic bin from Container Store.
0: What sewing notion couldn't you live without?
1: My black and white cutting mat.
0: What's your favorite ruler size?
1: 6 by 24
0: What thread brand do you use? RFILM. Uh, pressing preference, open, to the dark side,
2: whatever works.
1: To the dark side.
2: Pick one, HSTs, curbs, or flying geese. Flying geese. Machine or hand quilt?
1: Oof, machine.
2: Machine or hand bind? Machine. Spray, pin, or thread-based?
1: girl, spray-based. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> That's
0: life.
2: Pre-wash, always, sometimes, or never? Never. What's your favorite part of the quilting process? Finishing. What's your least favorite part of the quilting process? Quilting. What's one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) Who is your quilty crush?
1: I'd have to say Carolyn Friedlander because I just think she, again, it goes back to the architecture, you know, and her first collection was architectures. And um, I just think there's something about how she thinks about quilts and garments and fabric design. It just is really awesome
3: uh what's your favorite recent make
1: i just finished a susie quilts shine quilt um which took me back into improv piecing which was really awesome but then i messed up the quilt
0: <laughs> <laughs> how many quilts are in your whip pile right now maybe like five where do you
2: store your work in progresses?
1: Right now in the closet over the bar, the hanging bar, which is really cool.
2: Do you have any other hobbies?
1: Dollhouse making actually.
2: Oh, cool.
1: And so my dad and I made a dollhouse together. Um, again, all going back to architecture. Um, we actually made two, we made a 1 scale dollhouse that we ended up selling um, a few years ago. And then he and I also made a. I'm, I love Barbie. Fun fact, <laughs> um, obsessed with Barbie, um, and uh, we made a five foot by two foot tall Barbie house when I was like maybe in middle school. For all oh, wow. to have this really grand house. Um, so yeah, I love miniatures. I I there's a there's a couple, um, craftsman style dollhouse kits that I really want to get um, and start working on now that we have the space.
0: We've got just a couple more questions for you. First up is, who are three accounts you think everyone should be following and why?
1: I think uh, Lo and Behold is doing some really awesome things. Um, I love her quilt designs. I think she's such a sweet person. I met her at Quilt Market. Um, She's one to watch out for. She quit her full-time job and is really turning this into a business. Um, I actually also really like Emily Dennis. I like her bright colors and her quilt patterns as well. Um, I have to actually say even Wendy, I think you're, <laughs> I, mean, I think you're doing a really awesome job. I'm, I'm well, super excited. And, um, your book is fantastic, by the way.
2: Oh, thanks. <laughs>
1: I haven't yet, but I, I've read I've it multiple times. Um, but yeah, I think you're doing an awesome job and I think you're someone to watch out for in the industry as well. Um, but I think there's a lot of really, you know, a, a lot of really awesome young people who are coming into the industry and you know, finding their voice and doing some really unique things, Um, you know, more, you know, modern traditional, modern quilting that is, it's going to be fascinating in the next like five to 10 years to see where the industry goes and, and, you know, how people sort of build their paths and and journeys.
2: And before we sign off, do you have any fun uh, personal projects on the horizon that you can share with us?
1: Uh, My next fabric collection comes out in May. It's a Christmas collection. (gasps) This is one of my favorite holidays. Um, So uh, super jazzed about that one coming out. Um, And then I have another collection that comes out in November that has a travel theme to it. Uh, I won't give too much away because we haven't um, released it into the wild. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm always working on another basic, you know, blossom. My basic blossom for Riley Blake Designs is... Um, near and dear to my heart um, so you know um,
3: I really like that a lot it goes well with so much so many things and your pin drop was really good too
1: yeah and fun fact- <laughs> <So> I'm excited <laughs> pin drop is actually from my logo those pins are on my logo oh so it's kind of like a little tattoo easter
0: egg <laughs> Yeah. <it's crazy. laughs> um, so we need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed today's show if you'd like to contact any of us, we can be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadclaw Studio. Wendy. I am the Weekend Quilter. Anna. I am at Wax and Wayne Studio. And Christopher.
1: I am at the Tattooed Quilter.
0: Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website, quiltbuzzpodcast.com for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we hope that you subscribe to the show and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, we'd be thrilled. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 <laughs>